Today the Lord wants me to talk uh, about this, and I just titled it The Careless Carol and tie into the Christmas Carol. And I'll get to the scripture in a little while, Brother uh, Angel, thank you for your help. I'll get to that later. You can uh, go down. don't want to have to make you sit up here. Um, so many of you have heard or read about or seen A Christmas Carol. It's a popular fictional novel by Charles Dixon, uh, first actually published in London in 1843. A Christmas Carol recounts the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. Now you remember what it's about. How many of you have heard the name Scrooge? How many of you know a Scrooge? Yeah. He was an elderly, bitter man who was visited by, in this fictional story, the ghost of his former business partner, Jacob Marley, and the spirits of Christmas past, present, and yet-to-come future. After the visits of these Christmas spirits, Scrooge is transformed into a kinder, gentler man, and that's pretty much the synopsis of it. Um, Jacob Marley, the business partner, who was uh, very equal to Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, had died, and he had, in the story, died the wrong way. He had died, and his uh, penalty was to walk around with chains on his, uh, on his self, his body, for the rest of eternity. In this fictional story, that was the way that they painted the torment of eternity for not living right. Very similar to uh, the Bible talking about hell being the penalty. And so the chains were on him, and there was a warning that went forth uh, to, his, to his friend, his business partner, that, uh, Scrooge, you will end up just like me if you don't change. And that was essentially the uh, point of that story, which became a movie, which some of you may have seen versions. There's many versions of it. I've seen a movie when I was younger about it. And it is, it is pretty traumatic. It's actually, they, I know they try to make it for kids and stuff, but it's actually a little bit uh, scary to think about. And I remember when I saw it as a kid, uh, I probably shouldn't have seen it, but I remember it kind of moved me. It really bothered me because you can relate to the moral of if you, if you do the right things, then you will have reward. If you will not live righteously, you will have the penalty. And I think that's the reason why it speaks to so many people. Um, Christmas past revealed that he sees himself back when he was younger and innocent and unattained and, un, and, and uh, before untainted by the love of money. What happened to Scrooge was, Scrooge was addicted to money and selfishness. Scrooge was addicted to doing what he wanted to do. And he was a wealthy man. And the, uh, the Christmas spirit of past took him back to see and remember things that happened when he was younger. And when he was younger... Uh, he remembered there how he was an innocent boy that did not have all the corruption from his love for money, and that he even had the love of his life, Belle, who he was proposed to and even engaged to, that actually she saw his love for money, and she broke it off with him on Christmas and left him and then went and remarried somebody else. And this is the story of Scrooge, a man who became very bitter, a man who had no friends, a man that was not living right by their standards in the story. 
Christmas past then comes and reveals to Scrooge how his selfishness is ruining other people's lives right now. Like his nephew slash employee who works for him, who does not get fair wages even though he has a family with young children. He is mistreated and abused while Scrooge takes all. He does not supply what is fair wages to his nephew, his own family, who is also a worker for him. He is barely getting by feeding his children during Christmas time, and Scrooge could care less. Uh, furthermore, Tiny Tim, I remember Tiny Tim? He's the youngest boy in the family, and Tiny Tim is crippled, and Tiny Tim is not doing well with health. And if something does not change, Tiny Tim will die. In fact, that is revealed in the Christmas future. The spirit of Christmas future takes him to the future and shows him in a grave, unkept, because of his greed and desire to do it his way and not to be right. He sees his future grave. Boy, if we could see that. If we could just go ahead and fast forward to our futures and see our funerals and hear what they say about us. He has to see his grave overgrown. You know why? Because nobody takes care of his grave. No flowers on that grave. And then he sees his nephew, and he sees their future. And he sees them broken, destitute, and poor. And he sees the grave of the one tiny Tim who died and passed away because nobody stepped up to help. It shakes Scrooge to his core. And he desires a second chance. He awakens from his bed. It just so happens because it's fictional on Christmas morning. And he is a new man. He has new perspective, new life. And he agrees to attend the invitation from his nephew. Isn't that nice of his nephew? Invited this Scrooge to his house for Christmas. Even though he was a Scrooge. Because he was showing him love. And he showed up. And he blesses them and gives them gifts of blessing. And then he even decides to give to a charity, a fund of charity. And the end of the story is that Scrooge is a changed man because of a visitation to the truth of what was really the problem. He was a messed up man, but he had no clue until that Christmas, those Christmas spirits came and plucked him up and showed him the secrets of the heart. It woke him up. Something very similar, I pray, will happen today, but from a biblical perspective. In fact, today, I can tell you that there even are a few biblical themes in this. Scrooge was warned and called out for his selfishness, and he was given a chance to change. And our God, likewise, our God warns us and gives us multiple opportunities to change. Secondly, there are consequences for our actions. There used to be a day where this actually related to people, where people actually believed that you would go in chains, but not anymore. This story has become irrelevant to Christians today because nobody thinks anybody's going to be in chains for how they live. Nobody thinks anybody is going to be lost. To, to wonder if you're going to be going to hell is a rare thing. Very few people ever worry about that. The bigger problem in our nation is not people worried about going to hell. It's people thinking that I'll never go to hell. 
not seeing themselves. A Christmas Carol, the book, the movie, has moved many hearts during the Christmas season to be more giving. And at its core, its storyline is actually not even really unique because I found the same story very similar in the Bible. Around 2,400 years ago, before this book was published, our God carried a man named Ezekiel on a similar journey. Ezekiel wasn't a Scrooge in this story. He was quite the opposite. He was a prophet of God, committed to speaking God's will to humanity. God didn't pick him and hover him over his own failures but over the absolute rejection of himself from the people of God. Now, I need you to go with me today in the Scripture so you can see the exact language of Ezekiel 8 and 3. I need you to read this with me. I need you to to alert yourself and watch now because eternity is at stake for all of us today. So please read the Word with me. He stretched out the form of his hand, And took me by a lock of my hair. And the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven. And brought me in visions of God up to Jerusalem. To the door of the north gate of the inner court. This is the sanctuary, the tabernacle of God. This is the place where men would worship and become saved. This is the place where their sins be washed away. This is a holy place dedicated only to God. This is the vision that Ezekiel was taken to. And it says here, He took me to the north gate of the inner court where the seat of the image of jealousy was, to the door of the north gate, the inner court, where the seat of the image of jealousy was, which provokes jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there like a vision that I saw in the plain. And then he said to me, Son of man, lift up your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes toward the north, and there north of the altar gate was this image of jealousy in the entrance. Furthermore, he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me, watch this language, to make me go away from my own sanctuary. These people don't understand. They're trying to push me out of worship. They're trying to push me out of worship. They're trying to push me away from the thing I created. I set this up. And they're trying to get me out of it. They're trying to get me out of the equation of church. Out of the equation of what we're doing. What are they doing? There are some graphics just to help you see it. They can put them up as we go. In Ezekiel 8 and 7. So so he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. And then he said to me, son of man, dig into the wall. And when I, I dug into the wall, there was a door. And he said to me, go in now. It's just like the story of Scrooge. He's being carried to the places where he can see the truth about what's really happening. Behind the scenes. In the hearts. Not on the surface. Son of man, dig in the wall. So he says, I dug in the wall. And there inside digging in that wall, he said to me, go in that hole in the wall and and see the wicked abominations which they are doing there. So I went in and saw and there every sort of creeping thing, abominable beast, uh, 
all idols of the house of Israel portrayed all around the walls like posters on a teenager's walls. Hidden in the place of worship. And there stood before those idol-worshiping images 70 men of the, everybody say elders. Elders of the house of Israel. And in their midst was Jehazani, the son of Shepan. Each man had a censer in his hand. Look what they were doing. They were creating a thick cloud of incense that went up to the false gods in the house or the place where God deals with his man. Then he said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel to do in the dark? Do you see what's happening in the dark? This is where we lose, y'all, in the dark. This is where we're going to be judged. What are we doing in the dark? Pastor, tell me what I'm doing wrong. What are you doing in the dark? This is where we're going to be judged. You know what? You, you need to understand there are things happening in your life in the dark that nobody even knows about, and those are the things that are going to cost you your chains. They will. For the Lord does not see us. They say the Lord does not see us. They don't think that I see them. They think they can get away with it. They think they can live how they want and not have a consequence. It's not going to happen. It will not happen. This is the truth today. This is who our God is. This is who our God is. Ezekiel 8 and 13. This is the next one. He's still taking them. Just like that story of, of Scrooge, he's still taking them on a, on, a, on a vision. He's showing them things of truth. Look what he says. He said to me, turn again. And you will see great abominations that they are doing. So he brought me to the door of the north gate of the Lord's house. To, and to my dismay, women were sitting there weeping for Temas, a false god. Then he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? Turn again, and you will even see greater abominations. You think that's bad. It gets worse. Verse 16. Then he brought them to the inner court of the Lord's house, inside and there at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces towards the east. And they were worshiping the sun inside the house of God. He said to me, have you seen this? Do you realize what's happening behind the scenes? Is it a trivial thing? to the house of Judah to commit the abominations, which means the things that God hates and will always hate, which they commit here? Is this a small matter? Should we take this casually? Should we just do a little Bible study about it? Should we just pass over it? Or should we deal with it? Here's what he's saying. We're going to deal with it. This is not going to be happening. We will deal with this. For they have filled the land with violence, and then they have returned to provoke me to anger. Indeed, they have put the branch of their nose with some kind of a symbolic way of showing disgust. Verse 18, therefore I will act in fury. You'll see that? 
This is the God we don't talk about. It's the same God. If you believe in three gods, this is why you get off the hook. We believe in one God. This is still our God talking. He said, I change not. This is our God. He said, I therefore will act in fury. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears, while judgment is going forth, he's saying, though while I am judging them and they're begging me to stop, it's too late. Your time is up. You've had plenty of opportunities to get right. I will not hear them. I have to say today boldly that time is is going to be up one day. I want to summarize it. Please hear me today. I know I'm not shouting. I'm not going to try to get your attention today. If you don't, if you're not caring, then you won't listen. This is the careless Carol. You're going to find out why. You're going to, you may, some of you may see yourself in a moment. I want you to look at the image of jealousy is what he first told them. They're trying to get me to leave. That's, that's number one. They're trying to get me to get out of here. But listen to this. God does not leave when he gets jealous. His people get judged. When you are not living right with your covenant with God, God does not leave. He stays, He reigns, and He judges you. You do not get to push Him out of His own house. This is His house. This is His rules, His ways. He is still supreme. He is still king. And you don't get to make Him go because you're cheating on Him. He keeps the house in the divorce. He keeps the car. He keeps everything. You lose. You suffer. He does not lose. We lose. God does not lose, y'all. When you decide to be disobedient to Him, you can't make Him lose. You can't, you can't make Him change His ways. You can't threaten Him with your, your love affair. He said you will lose. You don't you don't get to kick God out. God kicks us out. It won't work. It never works. You can't fight against God. Stop trying to fight Him. He said, look, son of man, at the idol-worshiping elders who think I can't see what they do in secret in the dark, but I do, and they won't get away with it. God is very serious about elders living right. What are elders? Elders are not people that are just old. Elders are people who have known better for a very long time. You condemn yourself when you tell me how much you know about God. Pastor, you can't talk to me. I'm spiritual. You shall receive the greater condemnation. I don't have to listen to you. I got my own walk with God. So you're so spiritual then. You're so spiritual then. You're an elder. You're an elder that we can't talk to. You're an experienced saint of God that you know it all about God, and you think that you're right, and that's so dangerous. Because it's possible for you to be experienced with God and be secretly wrong and possibly lost. 
God does see you. He said, look, son of man. He said, the women are weeping over something fake. Watch this, ladies, hear me. The women's emotions were being wasted on a God that couldn't even help them. I felt that so strong in the spirit when I read that. Look, when you're dealing with Old Testament like this, you've got to have God give you prophetic help. He's got to give you something. And as soon as I read it out of nowhere, I'm telling you what the Lord said. He said, women, when we begin to go down this road, he said, women begin to use their emotions on all the wrong things. They'll begin to weep over things that can't change. Instead of weeping before the Lord in prayer. Instead of taking their energy in worship and worshiping God, the women began to exert their emotions on all kinds of false gods. Gods that don't answer. God that can't help you. Ladies, do not waste your emotion. Except through your prayer. There are women in this church that you cry and you cry and you cry about all the things that can't help you. But God wants you to come back to His feet and worship and weep and care about Him again. Care about worshiping Him. Everything you're crying about can change and shift if you'll get your attention back on the Master when the women begin to get their emotions in check and begin to know who to cry about and what to cry over. Cry over your worship to God. It's a sign that we're drifting. When the women's emotions got a check in the church, it's a sign we're, we're losing. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost talking right now. Look, son of man, 25 men stand at the inside the front door of my own house and turn their back on me and begin to worship the Son. One of the most disrespectful things you could ever do to somebody is go in their house. Turn your back on them. He says, you think this is a small thing? It's not a small thing. This is not a trivial thing. No, no, a line has been crossed. Enough is enough. They have come to make me angry, the Bible says. They literally are trying to provoke me and see if I'm real. And I'm going to show them I'm real. You know, right now, nobody knows if God is real. One day, everyone will know that God is real. The Bible says there's coming a day where every tongue shall confess and every knee will bow that He is Lord Right now, you don't know if he's real. You want to provoke the anger of God to find out. You keep it up, and you will see that there is a God in heaven, but you might not like the outcome. Keep pushing it. Keep denying the grace and love of God. Keep doing it, and see if you don't find out there's a God. He said, you don't think I'm watching? You don't think I actually care about my people? You think I'm distant? You think I'm a father that's not there? You think I will abandon my children? He said, watch me. It's time to fix this. This is who our God still is. Now listen to the, listen to the consequence. This is where it gets, it gets bad. In the next chapter, God executes judgment in a very specific way, and I want you to hear it. 
Ezekiel 9 and 1, then he called out in my hearing with a loud voice saying, let those who have charge over the city, those who have authority like the city police, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. And suddenly, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces the north, each with his battle axe in his hand, his weapon of slaughter, I think the King James says, meant for sacrificing. When you don't deal with your sin, you become the sacrifice. He said, I want to be the sacrifice. He said, I want to take your place. I've got a plan to take care of sin. But when you refuse to deal with your sin, you've got to be the one to go. So he said, one man among them was clothed with linen and had a writer's inkhorn at his side. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. And now the glory of, of God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. And he was able to create marks on the body. And the Lord said to him, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all of the abominations that are done within the city. To the others, he said in my hearing, go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eye spare, nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men. Maidens and little children and women, but do not come near anyone with a mark on them. They are saved. Begin at my sanctuary. That's where, that's where judgment begins. Right here in church. So they began with the elders. This is why I call this the careless carol. Because the only ones who survived were the ones who were bothered with it. Those who didn't, the only ones who survived were the ones who bothered with it. Those who didn't care. Those turned a blind eye and carried on. Those who did not care and those who just said forget it. I don't, I'm not going to worry about what's happening around me. They were the ones that were slaughtered. And the only ones who survived are the ones that were bothered. Look at what God did. God destroyed those who stopped caring. Even right now, it's kind of it's sad. Even right now. There is a nonchalant casual attitude in the North American Western church that when you talk about things like this, just goes over people's heads. And I was growing up in church and they preached about stuff like this. I could not wait to cry out to God. I could not wait to make sure I was saved and right and I was pleasing to God. But now we're living in a day we talk about stuff like this and people just like, okay, another sermon. We're going we're gonna to deal with why it's that, like that. But just catch yourself today while I'm preaching because this carol, this carol is about the carelessness of people. 
how they don't even care anymore about what happens. Don't even care. God knows that what doesn't bother you today will eventually be yours tomorrow. Y'all hear that? If, if you want to guarantee yourself that you're going to go in a direction away from God, stop caring about it. God knows that when we stop caring about it, it will become what we practice in the future. And this is why God judges on the level of caring and not always on the flesh and what we do and what we manifest. Because God knows if He can't get the heart to care, you will never perform the look of caring. You have got to have it in your heart that you still care about the things of God because what you are complacent about today will become what you adapt tomorrow, what you pick up tomorrow. When you quit caring about sin and what's happening, it will become your future. There are people here today that you do not care. But if you can start caring again, you can, you can be saved. Now, please hear me today. When I read this and I talked about all that, there were people in this place today that you automatically responded back in the spirit to that. And you said, but pastor, I do care. Okay. Let's find out. You say that you care. But you're lying if you're not crying. God did not say, go read their hearts and keep them alive. God said, if it's not strong enough in the heart to manifest in the tears, then it's not in the heart. lying to yourself when you say that you care but it doesn't even produce an emotion it doesn't even push you to prayer meetings or push you to church if it doesn't manifest it's not there you're deceived you're believing a lie and the quicker you can confess that you don't care the quicker you can repent and turn to God but the longer you drag out the lie that oh I care God doesn't destroy the ones that God judged those, let me say it like this, who know better, but he let those off the hook that show better. If it's not coming out, it's not you. Look, I know none of us can convince you. You've got to answer to God for yourself. Look in the mirror. Do you even act like you care? I'm talking about when you're by yourself and there's nobody watching you, do you still care? When your fame is not around and you're on your internet at late at night, do you still care? When you had a bad day, do you still care? When you lost your job, do you still care? You tell me. You tell it. You say, do you really care? Where is the manifestation of your caring? You say that you care and we're addicted to lying about our spiritual walk with God. We think it makes us feel better, but where's the truth at? Come on, someone, let Ezekiel fly around your heart today and say you don't care. You're in his house, but you're far from God. You show up to church, but your back is turned. You're going through the motions acting like you care, but you don't care. You don't care. 
It's not coming out. It's not on the inside. Your actions say everything about you. And that's why he said, you go find people that don't act like they care. They're not concerned. They have no look on their face like it matters to them what happens in the kingdom. Well, no, you go find everybody that shows that they care and you save them because I can work with somebody who still cares. I can work with somebody that's got it in their heart. I can't help anybody that doesn't care. Hear me today. When's the last time you sighed a groan of pain because of the situation that you're in? When's the last time that your trouble moved you to worship, moved you to God, moved you to pray? Have you stopped caring? When's the last time you cried out to God over it? Have you stopped caring about it? When you stop caring, you become a target for the judgment of God. And here's why God cannot clean up somebody who doesn't care about being clean. God will not force you into purity. You are only eternally damned when you stop caring. Is there hope for me, Pastor? I don't know. Do you care? Am I going to be lost forever, Pastor? Do you care? What about me? I want to have an eternal security. Then do you care? Does stuff matter about God? Does it matter what you watch, where you go, what you do? Does it even matter anymore to you? Or have you given up and I do what I want to do when I want to do it? Does it, does it matter to you? Because when you don't care anymore, what's God going to do with you? God is not going to drag you into a shower and clean you up against your will. If you want to live in the dirt, then you're going to stay in the dirt. And this herein lies our problem, church family. God is holy. God is pure. God is clean. He was clean before he was loving. He was holy before he was saying he was loving. He said, I am pure. I am holy. I am righteous. I'm all-knowing and all-powerful. There's none like me. You've got to do it a certain way to be with me. Please hear me today, brother and sister, careless. Our God will judge you just like this. Jesus warned about hell because it's a real place. And you will go if you are careless with your salvation. Here comes the rebuttal. Pastor, I don't believe that. God is love. Okay, let's talk about love. Let's talk about love. Let's talk about love again and again and again. Talk about love. Let's do that. Let's just skip over the fact that God is holy. Yes, God is love. Everybody say yes. But guess what God is and has not stopped being? He is holy. The first revelation we have about God is Adam, Eve. If you don't do it right, you've got to get out. The first thing you learn about God is there is a, there is a consequence to not being pure in his presence. The first thing you learn about God is He is holy. And if you want to keep a relationship with God, you must be holy. If you don't want to be holy, you will not have a walk with God. And you will not be saved. Even if you're loved, you can be lost and be loved at the same time. You can love your kids and they be out there on the streets not living right. You can love them and they can be lost at the same time. The American church doesn't talk about the wholeness of God anymore. Because we went through a long season 
where we, did, we figured out we didn't have love. But what comes first? The revelation of wholeness or the revelation of love? The first church figured out God was holy. The problem was it took them a while to figure out God was love. Thank you, Brother Brandon. The Lord spoke to me and said, what's been wrong with us is not that we believe in holiness, but that we pushed holiness before we got to love. So now that we figured out God loves us all, we got to go back to holiness. It's a circle. It's a circle. We know he loves us, but what do we do about it? We do nothing. Help us, God. His holiness is purity and perfection. But God cannot have relationship with the dirty if you are not living according to the scripture which identifies purity, not your mind, not politicians, and not YouTube. The Bible tells you what is pure and what is dirty. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. If you're not living according to the Bible, then you are not going to have a walk with God no matter how loved you are. He's holy. This is why God gave them a tabernacle plan in the Old Testament. This is why God came, born of a virgin, and died for us on the cross in the New Testament to clean us up because we're filthy in our sin. His love does not take away His holiness. It's a lie of the last day propaganda church. To get unconverted people to come in by mass. God is still holy. I can say he loves us and I can say he demands holiness in the same sentence. And they do not contradict themselves. God came so we don't have to be holy. No! God came so we could finally be holy. Oh, I'm so glad he came. I can drink and smoke and cheat and lie because he came. No, now you can't do any of that. Now you've got an open gateway to the power of God. You can now repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost. Now you have no excuse. Now you can get out of it. Now you can get past it. Now you can experience relationship with God that was missing in the Garden of Eden, we can go back. We can go back and not make the same mistake. God's original plan was the garden. And now that we have been saved by faith and grace and all that good stuff and love, we get to go back and look at that tree and say, I don't need it. holy he still demands us not to eat of the tree that is forbidden he still requires it the difference is now we are empowered to say no easier it is the love of God that makes it easier to be holy
His love does not take away His holiness. It simply improves our ability to be saved. To be closer to Him. To be more like Him. Not less like Him because He died. More like Him. God did not die for us to push us away. I've paid for it all. Go. What did He pay for? He paid for us to go on a vacation? He paid for us to leave him forever. He paid to get us back. He said, I bought you with a price. He said, I want to get you back. I didn't come to die so that you would disconnect. I came to die so that you'd reconnect. I came and I loved you so that you'd be more like me so that I could bring you closer. Oh, God, help me. Jesus' name. The cross was the sacrifice for past, present, and future. But it took faith and obedience. Watch this. This is important. We don't realize this. It took faith and obedience to be saved in Ezekiel's day, in Matthew's day, and in the book of Acts, and even today still. Y'all hear that? What's the plan of salvation? The real plan of salvation, the real one, is you're saved by faith unto obedience to God. That's how you're saved in the old. That's how you're saved before the Mosaic law. That's how you're saved after. That's how you're saved now. That's how you're still saved. You've got to obey. Yeah, watch this. The difference is we are just now fortunate enough to know how much God loves us. Thank God I was born on this side of the cross. Thank God we're so blessed to know that he died for us. They didn't know that. Ezekiel didn't know that. The men of God back then served them and didn't even know how much he loved them. But we get to know how much God loves us. What's our excuse? one hand we celebrate Christmas and Easter and we say we know he loves us on the next hand we give nothing to God nothing church family Jesus Christ is still the God that judges and please hear me judgment day is coming because God does not change just like he judged back then he will judge again He will judge us. We will be judged. After all that, I can still hear in the Spirit modern day Christians saying, no, pastor, I don't believe it. God is love, and He won't let me go to hell. Yes, He will. If our God's capable of sending six men out with swords to kill men, women, and children, God is capable of letting people go to hell. And as I just said that, some of you got real queasy in your stomach because you can't imagine a God loving people and being a judge. But how much of a hypocrite are we? We judge every day people that we love. At least we're supposed to. 
back in the good old days, used to kick people out of your house if they weren't living right. Does that mean you don't love them? No. There is still judgment tied to love. There's still penalty. Yes. Because heaven's about relationship, and it's a holy place. And you don't get to go to heaven unless you're holy. This is what's been missing in us. This is what's missing in the church. This is why there's fighting and anger and issues and drama in families because we, are not, we don't even care anymore. Yo, we're trying to convince people with, with, with like logic now. What happened to the good old days when we said, God is watching you? Should that not be enough? God is watching me. God hears every word I say. He, hears the, he sees the fights in your house. He sees the way you talk to each other. He sees how you act and what you spend your money on, what you do, what you click on, where you go. He still sees it, and it still matters. Do you care? Do you still care? Some say, oh, I'm so glad I live in the New Testament. It's so much easier now. No, it's not. No, it's not. Well, I could have never made it back then. I'm living under grace. Whew, I'm so glad. Now, because I live here, I get a better hookup than people who live back there. Really? That's how God works? Our ancestors lived before the cross, and they get to have horrible, horrible. They didn't get a good chance. But now, because we're on this side of the cross, we get to live in sin and, and do whatever we want and fornicate and live however we want. And we're going to be saved, right, because we're on this side of the cross? No. We don't get a free pass. In fact, it's worse for us. Do you hear that? It's worse for us. What happened to those idol worshipers in Ezekiel is nothing compared to what will happen if we reject Christ today. If you think six men walking this room with swords killing us is bad, you have nothing. Nothing. That's nothing compared to what will happen to us in this dispensation if we reject God. Notice what Jesus said about those who reject the gospel versus those before the exposure to Jesus. In Matthew 10 and 14, Jesus' own words, red letter, listen to your God. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear, this is talking to his ministers, his apostles are going out to preach the gospel, to preach Jesus, right? He said, if they don't receive you nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. For verily I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah where they tried to have sex with angels. In the day of judgment, which we're not there yet, than for that city. Why? Why is it worse for us? Why is it worse on us? Because we get to know about Jesus. Should it not be easier on us? It's worse. We pay a higher price. If hell can be hotter, it'll be hotter for us. Do you know why the judgment on us will be greater than the judgment of the Old Testament? Because we got to see the fullness of God's love and we still reject Him. Think about it, y'all. If you've got any heart in you right now, think about it. We celebrate Easter every year and reflect the fact that He gave His life for us and we still go home and watch rated R movies. 
He says, I see you. You won't escape it. The love of God has actually made it easier for us to love God back. The penalty on this side of the cross will be greater than anything you've ever seen in the Old Testament because we are without excuse. Brother, sister, guest today, if you walk out today without serious repentance to becoming holy, you are walking out on a God that died for you with his arms wide open. You will regret that decision for eternity. You will. The Lord sent me here today to tell you that God is holy. And He expects, demands holiness from His people. If you are a child of God today, then you're blessed to be able to go to heaven and have all the blessings of God. But you must be holy. I know you know God loves you, but listen, that's going to make it worse one day in hell. This revelation shook me. That I could count up the number of church services I've been to. I could count the number of miracles I've witnessed that I could count the number of times I've seen God move and bless and still not be holy? And you think God is going to feel bad? Oh, God, you're going to feel so bad for letting people go to hell. No, He's not. Do you know why He's not? Because He died for the entire world and they spit in His face and said, I don't care that you love me. I hate you. It will be worse. This church is going back to holiness. This church is going back to fasting, to deep prayer, to getting rid of everything ungodly out of our lives. Why? Because He loves us. Pastor, what's your motivation? You probably want to be a controlled dictator over the people. No, because he's worthy of it. Because he died for us. Because he's been better to me than I deserve. I'm not about to let God bless me and spit in his face with my habits and my personal life and my secrets. I care. I care, God. I care, God. I care, God. The doctrine of love is not the only doctrine you've got to have. First things first, God is holy. First things first, God is holy. He said, I am the Lord and I do not change. I can I do not change. He, we found out later that he, we found out what he was later. He was still love in the Old Testament. We just saw the fullness of his love in the New. He's the same God. He's a God that's patient. 
The Bible says it multiple times. I'm a patient God. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to destroy you. Some of y'all are like, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he did that in Ezekiel. Listen, God allowed it to get all the way to the inner court before he did something. Don't you dare tell me God wants to hurt us. He waits to the very last second before it gets into the holiest of holies. You're, you're being lied to, church family. Our God wants to save us. Pastor, how come God's not showing his judgment like he did back in the day? How come there's nobody coming in with swords anymore? Because we're living under the dispensation of grace. Where God does not want to pull a sword out to make us love him. You know, we all deserve it. Your dirty thoughts that you've thought, things you've done, you deserve someone to walk in with a sword and kill you. You deserve it. But God didn't do it. I should have been dead a long time ago. I should have been dead a long time ago. But God is slow to anger, slow to wrath. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. He doesn't want me to go to hell. He doesn't want me to go to hell. He doesn't want me to be lost. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants to give you every opportunity to get every service, every message, every prayer meeting so that you maybe, hopefully, someday can become holy. God is patient. He waited generations to flood the earth. Generations of watching people hurt each other, rape each other. God does not want to judge us like that. He said, it's my will that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life. God does not want to be that guy. But he's holy. And if you continue in your sin... If you continue to go against thus saith the word of God, you will go to that hell and God will love you the whole way there. And you will knock at the door on judgment day and beg him to let you in and he will not hear you. Why? Because nobody had to bring a sword out in this service. Because I'm not threatening you with anything as your pastor or as a preacher. I am not trying to scare anybody right now. Judgment day is coming. It's not right now. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to be saved. Today's the day to cry. Today's the day to get right to repent. This is not the day to go to hell. This is the day to go to heaven. You're still alive. You're still breathing. God's given you grace for one more service. Why are you not in the altar saying, Jesus, I care. I care, I care, I care. I preach some services till I'm blue in the face and I see nonchalant. And I know what it is. But God loves me so much, He won't let me go to hell. Yes, He will. Absolutely, He will. He's holy, He's a judge, and you are not hiding from him what are you going to do then brother Jason what do we do we come to the front we come to the front what do we do 
whenever we find out we can't run from God or hide from God, there's only one thing to do, and that's to bow your knee and worship to God and say, God, I will commit everything to you. God, I will give everything up. God, I will be holy like the book says. God, I'll get rid of every TV, every show, every movie. God, I'm going to be holy or I'm not going to be saved. Thank you for your love, God. This makes it easy, church. This makes it easy. How do I look at him on the cross and then say, I'm keeping it my way. I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. I'm going to dress this way, look this way, talk this way. It's my way, God. How? How do we not care? How do we not go to church? How do we not pray? How do we do this to God? He's so loving and so good. Oh, not me, God. I still care, God. I do. God, don't let me. I don't want to get to the point where I don't care, God. I don't want to get to the place where I don't care, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come on, that's it. Uh, One day there's going to be a mark uh, of who still cares and who doesn't care. You can't just say it. Uh, It shows up in tears. Uh, You can't just say it. Uh, It shows up in sighing and groaning and moaning. It shows up at night. Uh, It shows up in the morning. It shows up every day. I really do care. I care every day. I care every second of the day. God, I've got to be holy to have a walk with you, God. If you're still picking fruit off of a forbidden tree, you don't know the love of God. Oh, I want to be holy because you love me. I want to be holy because you died for me. I want to be holy because you're worthy. I'm not just holy because I'm afraid of a sword. I'm holy because I'm thankful for a cross. I'm not going to live for you because I'm scared of some prophet coming in here killing my family. I'm going to live for you because you've been better than good to me. God said, I'll wait to kill you at the end. But that gives you an every opportunity to make it. Let the church repent. Let the church love on God. Let the church get holy. Let the church get sober. Let the church get serious because judgment will hit every single one of us. We're talking the secret things we do, the secret things we say. We're talking the secret things we put our heart into, idol worship, idolatry, imagery, things we give our hearts to and worship, video games we play, movies that we watch. You are going to be lost over it, especially now, especially today. Oh, how convicting to know that Jesus' arms are wide open. He's saying, are you going to reject this? If you can't devote your life to God after this message, then you're not looking at the same cross I'm looking at. If you can't give up this world for Jesus, then you're not looking at the same cross as me. You're not seeing Jesus with thorns on his head and blood down his back to where you can't even recognize his face. You're not seeing a Jesus who was spit on, stripped naked, and talked about, and he did all for me and you. You'll look at that image as you march to hell, and you will know that you deserve to be there. Who are we to reject such a loving God to pay the ultimate price for us? It's this that shakes us every day, y'all. It's this that motivates us, y'all. It's this word right here. It's this truth that He is holy and He is love. He is holy, He is love. He is holy, He is love. It demands for me to love Him back. It demands for me to serve Him. 
Whatever excuse you have, take it to the cross right now. Whatever excuse you've got, take it to the cross. Whatever you think you can't do, take to the cross. Hand it to Jesus on the cross. He can't grab it. His hands are nailed for you. He can't take it. His hands are nailed for you. Take what was done to you to the cross and tell God what your reason is for not serving Him. It won't matter. It won't work. All excuses die at the cross. All excuses die at the cross. Money, friends, family, all excuses die at the cross. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I don't want any guests today to leave this place without knowing that Jesus loves you. There is a heaven, there's a hell. That is the gospel. And it's because He loves us so much, it's easy for us to love Him back. It's easier for us to be holy and righteous and obey His words and commands. Every guest has to know today that there is a heaven and there's a hell. Every guest has to know. Everyone in the world has to know that God is holy. This is the fundamental principle of our God. He is holy. He demands holiness. He says, you can't even, you can't even walk with me if you're not holy. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. To everyone listening right now, the love of God is not enough to save you. You have got to react to the love of God, and you've got to become holy through the plan of salvation. Do not sit back if you're new to church or you're new to Christianity right now and miss your opportunity. The Lord is coming back quickly. That's why you're in church right now, because you feel that in your spirit. You know God's coming back quickly. You see the world is crumbling, and you came to church because you want to be saved. This is the gospel message. A holy God died and loved us. A holy God died and loved us. And therefore, we love Him back and we give our lives as a ransom and sacrifice. We give our lives up for Jesus. This will make somebody say, you know what, getting this out of the house. You know what, I'm not doing this anymore. How come? Because the pastor said no, because he died for me. He died for me. Why do you do it, sister? He died for me. Why do you do it, brother? He died for me. Because he loved me first, I can love him. Every problem we have is rooted in the fact that we don't believe that God is holy and that God loves. Oh God, we must, we must turn back to holy living. That's what pleases God. That's what is pure in God's eyes. I don't care what the culture does. God will judge the culture. I am going to get a mark on me today before I leave this place. I'm going to see, I'm going to let tears on my face cry today. I'm letting tears roll down my face. I'm going to groan out today and say, God, I do care. I do love you. I do want you. I know that you love me. I know you care for me, God. I don't want to be motivated by fear. I want to be motivated by love, motivated by love, God. I do care, God. I don't want to get to the place where I can't cry out to you, God. I don't want to get to the place where I can't weep over my condition. I don't want to get to the place where I can't bring everything I'm battling before you, God. God, I don't ever want to become complacent. Uh, if you're going to be saved today, there's got to be a worship about you that says, it bothers me what's happening in my family. It bothers me what's happening in my marriage. It bothers me what's happening in this kingdom, in the church, in the world. It bothers me. People are going to hell all around me. It bothers me, God. It bothers me what I see happening around the world. It bothers me that people have been hurt and abused. It gets me, God. It bothers me. I care, God. If you can care, God can keep working. If you can seriously care, there's hope for you today. Oh, God.
Oh, God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your love. Thank you for dying for us, stripping down to a poor man for us. Thank you, God, for giving up everything for us. This is easy. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, for this is your reasonable service. This trade-in is reasonable. It's not too much to give up your Netflix. You tell God on the cross it's too much. It's not too much to be submissive to a pastor. Tell God the reason why. It's not too much to be at church every service. Tell Jesus on the cross that. No, God, it's too much. You're not worth it. That's the problem. Gone are the days of saying it doesn't matter what we do, we're going to go to heaven. That's not true. It does matter. There are expectations on me. God sees it. And God will execute righteous judgment one day. But I'm not, I'm not going to be in that judgment. I'm going to be cleared because I care. Because I care. Because I care. Because it matters to me, my soul. It matters to me, my future. It, it matters that I walk with you, Lord. It matters that, that you have a loving relationship with me and me with you. It matters to me. You're number one, God. Nobody else would ever do that for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm not going to hold you long today. This is the time. This is the time to pray. This is the time to pray. This is the time to show the Lord. This is the time to make commitments right now. This is the time to dig deep. He expects holiness from His people. There is no way around it today. Look up what holiness is. I encourage you, you've looked up what His love says. Now go on a Bible study. Look up what holiness says. Look up what God says to do. Look what He says to do and how to live. That is the holiness of God that is expected of His people, especially us, the people of God, who have been born again of the water and the Spirit. We are without excuse. We will stand one day in judgment besides rapists in the Old Testament. And those who have rejected the gospel in the new, and God will say, you that rejected my cross, you, it's worse on you. How could you, how could you look at me giving my life for you and fight me so hard over righteous living, being pure to me, serving me? Thank you for the cross, Jesus. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you, Lord. He's holy. He's loving. He's holy. He's loving. He's holy. He's loving. And this is why we're holy and we're loving. We're holy and we're loving. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we're so thankful for you today. We're so thankful, God. We're so thankful, God. If you're struggling right now, just get a mental picture of Jesus on the cross, taking his last breaths for you. If you're having a hard time being a holy person, obeying the commandments of God, just get you a good picture of, the, of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you. God robed in flesh. The same God that executes judgment is the same God that gave His life for you on the cross so you will not have to suffer. 
so you would not have to be without Him for eternity. This is the one that you need to see today before you make your decision to walk out, to not be committed. If you're here today and you have not turned to God to give your life to Him in complete submission, and you have not repented of your sin, turned from it, and said, God, I'm all yours. If you're here today and you haven't done that, and you have not been baptized in Jesus' name to remove the sins away, if you have not received His Spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost, by the evidence of speaking a different language as God fills you completely and it comes out of your mouth, your most unruly member, your tongue, then today is the day for you to choose because the love of God is here. The truth of God is here. God, a holy God, is reaching out for you right now, and He's asking you right now. He's saying, make your mind up. You can be saved. You can make it to heaven. I will take care of you. This is what our loving, holy God is saying right now. He's just saying, don't be shocked one day on Judgment Day. Don't be shocked one day. I tried to reach you. I tried to show you, but you rejected let every guest today come to the altar, come to the, come to the place of worship, come to God and give their life to God. Let every guest, everyone that hasn't received the Holy Ghost say, God, I'm all yours. I turn to you, God. I want to have the Holy Spirit so I can be holy. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and make some commitments right now before you leave this prayer time. Make some commitments. Search your hearts. God will speak to you about the purity of your lifestyle. He will. He will speak to you. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Ghost is ministering to us. He loves us. He'll talk to us personally right now. It is not His will to leave you hanging today. If you'll open your heart up, God will reveal and show things to you that, that can keep you from going to heaven. He will show it to you. Keep you from your walk with God. Show us today, Father. Show us today, Father. Thank you for your love, God. We don't deserve you. Oh, oh we don't deserve you. In Jesus' name. That's it. That's it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I hope everybody today is repenting. I hope everybody today is seeking God. If you don't do it right now, I hope you do it at least sometime today, sometime tonight. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your love.